In order for there to be a free society, we need a free press to inform the public about what is happening and why, so the public can then make informed decisions about how the country should be run. Yesterday, for the third time in U.S. history, a president was impeached. Donald Trump faced two articles of impeachment. The Democrats did not have complete support or bipartisan support, and the Republicans actually did. The Democrats even lost a Democrat. But the story today is about the press. You see, a Washington Post and CNN reporter and other reporters were celebrating the impeachment of Donald Trump. Most of you might say, duh, what else is new? We know this. They tried to then claim, no, 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 we're not biased. But the whole thing to me strikes me as silly. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open with talking about the blatant bias, the perceptions of the, of, of, of the people in this country, proof as to why we're facing serious problems due to the media. Impeachment was primarily fueled by media. The scandals were fueled by media. And now they're celebrating as though they themselves are the Democrats. Let me make one thing clear as we go into this story. Nancy Pelosi, during impeachment, had to shush the Democrats from cheering. When they started clapping after the first article passed, she was like, no, stop. And everyone started making fun of her for it. The media is doing the exact same thing, walking in lockstep with fake news and lies and smears. It's a fact. Many former intelligence agents work for these big cable companies. It's a fact that some of these new digital outlets are hiring former White House staff. Vice News, for instance, recently hired a former Obama appointee. The media is not a free press. They're not informing you correctly. They're presenting you a narrative that they know will get their people elected and will hurt their political opponents. So let's break down the story, starting with the report from Fox News, and I'll show you the, the apology statement they made. But then I'm going to prove to you why they were celebrating and endorsing impeachment. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give. I don't have it pulled up right now. But the best thing you can do, share this video. Look, I know it's nearly impossible to crack that echo chamber to break people out of the fake news cycle. Some people might say, how dare he use Fox News? That proves he's wrong. Well, I can't do anything about that, okay? I'm gonna try and break down everything that's happening. And many people might not realize what's happening. But here's the crux of why this video is important. I'm gonna show you the media bias. I'm gonna explain to you why Republicans and liberals kind of feel the way they do. And then I'm going to prove to you once again what, why this impeachment was a huge mistake. And you may be thinking, let's say you're somebody who thinks Donald Trump should have been impeached. Okay, hear me out. Take some time to listen, even if it frustrates you, because I'm going to show you whether or not impeachment was the right or wrong thing to do. It's bad across the board for the left. First, Washington Post reports. Several Washington Post reporters were under fire late Wednesday night for celebrating, quote, impeachments following the impeachment of President Trump. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi continued to insist that the impeachment, just the third in U.S. history, was a solemn occasion for the nation. But that did not appear to be the case for the group of WAPO journalists who were seen in an online post marking the historic might with drinks. Let me stop you right there, Fox News. People on the Democrat side were cheering and she had to shush them. We know they're all celebrating together. Okay, the media and the Democrats are walking in lockstep. Now, again, for those that may find themselves on the pro impeachment side, I'm going to prove to you that these journalists are biased. And if you agree with their bias, that's okay. I'm not saying you're not allowed to dislike the president. By all means, you can hate him with all your might. But at least take into consideration the fact that these journalists also hate him and they're not presenting facts fairly. It is out of spite and anger that they're taking these actions. Not all the time, not all of them, but many of them. And I'm going to show you 
First, they said this. Mary Impeachmas from the WAPO team, WAPO Congress reporter and CNN political analyst Rachel Bade remarked in the post in which she was seen with colleagues Paul Kane, Mike DeBonis, as well as Sung Min Kim and Karen Demirjian, who, who also are CNN analysts. Bade deleted the tweet roughly an hour after it was posted. She then apologized, saying this, I'm deleting a, t- uh, a tweeting tonight that is being misinterpreted by some as an endorsement of some kind. To be absolutely clear, we at The Post are merely glad we are getting a break from the holidays after a, a long three months I will retweet the group with a, with a better, uh, the group photo with a better caption. This is not true. This is a lie. I'm sorry. I don't know if she's intentionally lying or she's just wrong or what the game is she's playing. But let me tell you something. Impeachments. I'm now going to provide you two bits of evidence to prove they are celebrating this. First of all, she said, Mary impeachments, P- PK Capital is buying. Yet when someone's buying and you're celebrating and laughing, you're celebrating the impeachment of the president. Journalists should not be doing that. Journalists should be telling us, here's what happened. Here's why it's happening. That's about it. Now, if you want to be an analyst or a pundit or whatever, I get it. We're being dominated by that. The problem is the lines have blurred. Media is no longer objectively reporting what's happening. They're giving you their personal opinion. Now, you might be saying, Tim, you're doing the same thing. I I fully understand that. But I'm a commentator, okay? I have other people who do journalism separate from me, editorially independent. And I'm fine with people being commentators and pundits. This is supposed to be a Congress reporter. First of all, check this out. Impeachments is a meme among the left about hating Trump, about supporting impeachment. So I can say two things from here. First, we have several memes where they're celebrating impeachment with the impeachments hashtag. This is a left wing meme celebrating Trump's impeachment. You might say that she didn't know this. The reporters didn't realize they were getting on board with a left wing anti-Trump meme. They shouldn't be. If they want to, I guess it's fine so long as they admit their bias, but whatever. I think what we're actually seeing is regardless of whether she realized she was jumping on the bandwagon of the left-wing partisans celebrating Trump's impeachment, they're in that bubble. That's what we're seeing. Whether or not these these people in the media realize they're walking in lockstep with Democrats, when they see all these tweets and then jump on board and get involved, you can tell what bubble they are in. And I also want to make sure I, I make it clear again, you realize Nancy Pelosi has to shush the Democrats. But there, there, there is more here. There is more. So impeachments is a left-wing meme. They're getting on board. But I'm not going to leave you there. We can see that the media bias even targets those who are progressive and would actually want to report the news. Crystal Ball, for instance, she is an MSNB, uh, she's a former MSNB per, M- MSNBC personality. She's now hosting a show with The Hill called Rising. And she gets smeared for simply giving a straight-laced response, like Tulsi Gabbard. If you don't know, Tulsi Gabbard voted present, and she's being called a coward by people in media. Unsurprisingly, they're supposed to be unbiased. Instead, they're saying, this is stupid. What a coward. It makes no sense. Well, calm down. Just report it. Politico, for instance, just did a straight report. They said, here's what Tulsi Gabbard did. Here's why she did it. I can respect that. Crystal Ball said, Tulsi Gabbard's reticence on impeachment makes perfect sense given her stated values. I know it's a bit shocking for politicians to actually try to follow their principles. I respect the courage it took to buck the party. When you have someone like Crystal, who is, I I believe she's more progressive. I don't want to, you know, tell someone what their politics are because I'm not entirely sure, but I believe she's more progressive. You will get attacked for it by the activists. Neera Tandon is Center for American Progress. She is not necessarily a journalist. 
The reason I'm showing you this is because the way she comes after people talking about Tulsi is the same way the journalists actually do. They're indistinguishable from the pundits and from the activists. Most of you know, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, as I said, she put it present. So she's being called a coward by the press. Great. We get it. Mike Bloomberg's new operation won't investigate him or Democratic rivals. You see, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. They're openly celebrating with drinks after the president is impeached. Look, man, I can say it for the billionth time. You, go, you don't got to like the guy. You don't got to like the president. But the fact remains that journalism is not accurately reflecting what's happening in this country. It is actively trying to harm a president they don't like. I have one tweet. Somebody said something. I, you know, I, I'm not going to call the individual specifically, but they were saying, it, well, actually, no, I will. It was Swalwell. <laughs> it's Eric Swalwell said something like, you had a chance to hold Trump accountable for, for mean things. He said something to that effect. Why are we going to impeach the president for saying mean things? And why is it that many people in media have the same opinions as those on the Democratic side? Now, I get it. I get it. I understand. Look, when you look to the conservative press, which exists, you can see that, yeah, you know, there are people who are reporters and commentators on the right who have the same opinions as Republicans. The issue for me is, we know what conservative media is, and we know they call themselves conservative media, or we know they lean to the right. We know Fox News has a bunch of conservative pundits. The Washington Post claims that democracy dies in darkness. The New York Times claims they're being objective. But what happened the other day on CNN? Maggie Haberman, uh, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm going to, I don't remember the other guy's name. Um, he's the centrist guy, uh, Smirkonish. He's actually okay. But they all presented this narrative from a false point of view where they were like, we're being moderate and reasonable. But then they went on to say the facts were indisputable. Trump should be impeached. Now, I do think it's fair to point out CNN had Rick Santorum on and he did push back a lot of this and I can respect that. But let's talk about this, right? Let's, let's move on from media bias. And now I want to talk to you. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have the one more point. Proof that the Washington Post is absolutely biased and are openly celebrating. It's kind of absurd to me that the Washington Post would try and claim they're not biased um, because the Washington Post editorial board wrote an article called The Case for Impeachment. There is abundant evidence of the president's abuse of power on Ukraine. Think about where we're at right now. They're claiming, she claims she, she wasn't endorsing this. Let me show you what she said. She said, some, uh, some, it was misinterpreted. It was misinterpreted as an endorsement of some kind. No, the Washington Post is not endorsing impeaching the president. We're just publishing an editorial statement endorsing impeaching the president. How are people supposed to know what's going on when, or, or trust the press when we know for a fact they're openly calling for a political outcome regardless of the facts or evidence? It's not just the Washington Post either. In this story from Mother Jones, the growing list of damning newspaper editorials demanding Trump's impeachment, the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, the LA Times, the Boston Globe, the Philly Inquirer, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Chicago Sun-Times, the New York Daily News, the Orlando Sentinel, the Tampa Bay Times, the Salt Lake Tribune. Need I go on? That's their list. The fact remains, there's an overwhelmingly large, there's, there's a ton of news outlets that all have the official stance Trump should be impeached. You know what? My personal opinion, he shouldn't be. And it's similar to reasons that Tulsi Gabbard voted present. And I respect her for voting present. And apparently a lot of moderate politically homeless individuals do. She didn't choose sides. She said, well, you know, she thinks Trump is guilty. I disagree. I don't think Trump is guilty. I think there's an argument to be made and we could have a trial maybe. But I think this is a partisan sham. It's not, actually, I'm sorry, it's not even partisan. It's bipartisan opposition, but the Democrats push it through anyway. 
You want to talk about what a generalist, uh, what, what a journalist, a journalist, a journalist should be telling you is they should be saying, instead of telling you it's indisputable, the facts are clear, Trump did it. We don't, we never had a trial. When we see articles, and I tweeted about this saying Trump is guilty already. We never even had a trial. Trump's not guilty of anything. We just had conjecture and opinion. Then they argue obstruction of Congress. Well, Trump could have proved his innocence if he let us testify. I'm sorry. The justice system doesn't work that way. And a, and a, and a good journalist will inform you. Listen, Donald Trump is under no obligation to force anybody under executive privilege to testify. If Congress had a problem, they have to get it sort, sorted out through the courts. Now, I have argued in the past, like in the past week, Democrats actually had a decent argument in that regard. Trump was obstructing their investigation, but they didn't reach the threshold. And now I would say I fall more firmly on the side that Democrats did not do their due diligence. Why? Jared Golden, a Democrat, stated they rushed the process on obstruction for political reasons. They wanted to get it done before Christmas, in which case I think it was wrong. But I'm not, I'm, I'm ambivalent. You know, if Trump is impeached, not impeached, you know, whatever. But these people believe the world is ending. And when you have a press that isn't telling you the truth and you know they're not telling the truth, what can you expect? Well, I'll tell you this. I know I framed this initially for those who don't, don't normally watch this kind of content or don't watch me. And if, they don't, if I don't reach any of them, well, it's unfortunate. But you realize that in the past several days, see this black line right here. What I'm, for those that are listening to the podcast, we're looking at the real clear politics impeachment average. It has spiked following the vote, following the hearing. Everything is up. Right now, more people oppose impeachment that support it. It is flipped in Trump's favor. Impeachment is not helping your case. And I know I've said it all the time, but I, I do want to do these updates. Trump's approval rating has almost completely recovered. It's actually higher than just before the scandal broke. Not its highest point ever, but right before the scandal, you know, got into full swing. Trump's approval rating has gone up six points, according to Gallup. And in the aggregate on RCP, Trump's completely recovered. So congratulations. And I mean it. Trump has, and, and, and you know what I'm going to do? I've got one more reason to show you why this has been a big mistake. And I want to say a few things. First, trust in news media in the Trump era. Partisan dynamics overshadow other factors in Americans' evaluations of news media. You're going to hear from CNN, MSNBC, many other outlets, ABC, CBS, etc. They're going to say a stain on Trump's presidency. Bad news for the Republican Party. How could this happen? Trump is frustrated. He's red in the face. He's furious. Let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. I'm not going to tell you what Trump thinks. I'm not going to tell you how he feels. I'm not going to call him red in the face. I'll tell you this. Trump made, made light of it. He mocked it. He's used it to campaign. He's raised tens of millions of dollars. The Democrats have lost a congressman, Jeff Van Drew, who's going to be purportedly switching to the Republican Party. Tulsi Gabbard voting present. A couple other Democrats defecting on their votes. It's actually a disaster for the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi said she wouldn't move forward without broad bipartisan support. They don't have it. And so she pushed forward anyway, and they lost support from their own side. Donald Trump has raised tens of millions of dollars, so you can call it a stain on his presidency, fine. But the fact remains, Trump's approval is up. Opposition to impeachment is up. Trump's fundraising is up. That's it. Democrat support is down. Trump is now above board with all of the national, well, not all, with many national polls. They're flipping in his favor. There are many swing state polls showing Trump now beats all the Democrats. Democrats lost their advantage. They sacrificed everything for this. Here's a poll that says Republicans are far more likely than Democrats to say journalists, journalists lack ethics. I'll tell you why. It's simple, man. I don't even see why it should be argued. When journalists go out and celebrate a left-wing meme drinking beers, 
liberals are going to say to the resistance people, the anti-Trump people are going to be like, they're doing the right thing because Trump is bad. And Republicans are going to be like, there's no ethics there. Why are they celebrating this instead of just informing us? Reporters have been replaced. But I do want to leave you with just a few final thoughts on this segment. I'm going to now introduce you to a rather funny article. This is a satirical article. It's from the Babylon Bee. It says, quote, look, is that Trump committing an impeachable offense? Mitch McConnell says, distracting Dems while more conservative judges sneak by. From two days ago, I thought this story was quite funny. But you know what's really funny about it? Uh, this article's not a joke. It, this article is literally, I mean, look, it's literally a joke, but it reflects the real world so much. That's what truly makes it funny. I know, I know a lot of people said, Tim, you get, that's the joke. That's the point. I think they should have said Mitch McConnell shouts, distracting Democrats while sneaking more conservative judges in. But I want to explain to you why this is very funny. And if you're somebody, again, who finds yourself on the left and supporting impeachment, let me show you this. This story is from December 17th. It is from a day before, a day before the impeachment vote. And now this story from CNN from last night. As House votes to impeach Trump, McConnell pushes 13 judge nominations through the Senate. You just made a satirical article come true. Now I get it. The Babylon Bee has got their ear to the ground. They know what's going to happen. And they're making a joke because they knew it was going to happen. But think about this. A day before impeachment, they made the joke. It was that predictable. Trump knows what you're going to do. And it's, and it's shocking to me because it's so obvious when Trump posts a, 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 an image of him as Rocky Balboa and the media goes nuts and they say, oh no, what is Trump doing? And Trump laughs and his base laughs. When these other conservatives and these satirical websites say, we know what's going to happen. They're going to push through more judges while the Democrats, while, they, while Trump dangles keys in the other direction. Before Trump got impeached, before the inquiry, questions were being asked as to whether or not Trump wanted to be impeached. And many people speculated he did. It will, for one thing, you can call it a stain, but there's no such thing as bad press. It makes Trump a historical figure, one of three. And you can argue they're all bad, but people like Bill Clinton. Donald Trump now presiding over the longest economic expansion in U.S. history sounds a lot like Bill Clinton, who was impeached and presided over the previous massive economic expansion that was historical. Now it's Trump. But many people speculated Trump wanted to be impeached because he was going to use it to rally his base and it was going to distract the Democrats. I think we've just seen the proof. I think I have now shown you that while these, while these journalists are cheering and celebrating and having drinks, Trump has stacked the courts. 180 new judges are going to shake the laws of this country for a generation. And I'll tell you why I'm frustrated. For one, I want to make sure it's clear. For the most part, when it comes to a lot of the stuff, I am ambivalent. And the left hates me for it. They hate me for it because I don't care enough. But I'll tell it like it is. Listen, I'd prefer if Trump wasn't nominating judges with no experience. There's one judge, okay? But I thought it was funny. I laughed at it. Wow. Trump's victories are so absurd. He actually nominated a judge who has almost no courtroom experience. Amazing. And I think you got a point. I don't know. But think back to when they said, does Trump want to be impeached? I think the answer is yes, I do. I think Trump wanted to be impeached. I don't think he's red in the face. I don't think he's angry. You know, I just tell you my personal opinion. I look at what Trump and the Republicans have been able to accomplish in the judiciary. And like I said, it'll shape, it'll shape laws for a, for a generation. People who are in their 40s who get lifetime appointments to the courts. Meanwhile, the Democrats, instead of making this their case, fighting this tooth and nail, challenging this and pushing back on these appointments, what are they doing? An impeachment that is guaranteed to fail, or as we're learning now, might not even be transmitted to the Senate. Nancy Pelosi saying, maybe I won't even do it. Maybe I won't even do it. 
What was the point? What was the point of all of this? I'll tell you what. I blame the media. That's the point of this video. We know they're biased. We know they're, they're, they're pushing for this. We know they're celebrating it. And we know that while they're not paying attention, while they're not call, speaking truth to power or calling out the government or, or documenting this, we know that Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell are pushing through conservative judges that will get lifetime appointments and shape this country for the next generation. In order to have a functioning democracy or democratic system, you know, I know a republic, a free society, we need a free press to inform people about what's going on. I think it's important to highlight this as we wrap up this segment. Unfortunately, these other Democrats were just sitting around saying everything everyone else already said. I'm sorry, these journalists were sitting around uh, saying everything everyone had already said and then celebrating afterwards having won nothing. They won nothing. Do you know who won yesterday? Donald Trump is going to raise tens of millions of more dollars. There's going to be massive blowback to the Democrats, the moderates, who are going to lose in 2020. And they knew it. Meanwhile, Donald Trump and the Republicans get 13 more judges pushed through. So I'll tell you what, man. You want to talk about tangible, factual benefits, successes? What have the Democrats succeeded in? USMCA. That's Trump's victory. Impeachment. Not even going to go to the Senate, maybe. Definitely going to fail in the Senate. Not a victory. They made Trump one of, one of three presidents to be impeached. You can call it a stain, like I said. You can also look at it like Trump knows he's going to be in the history books the rest of his life. Do you think Trump cares about people calling him bad names? I don't think so. I think Trump likes people knowing his name and he puts it big and bold on big buildings. And you just stamped his name in the history books for the rest of civilization. Three presidents, Johnson, Clinton, Trump. Now his name will be there forever. So yes, it is a net negative in the long run. But hey, man, someone like Trump knows there's no such thing as bad press. And with a boom in economy, the longest, the, the, the longest economic expansion in U.S. history, the court victories, all I think he cares about is that he's winning. And now you will never forget his name. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. And I will see you all there. Donald Trump has finally been impeached. It was a big waste of time. It was months and months. I look back at the videos I've made and I'm like, they're starting the inquiry. They're not having hearings. And finally, we're here. They voted. And what's actually surprising is they lost some Democrat votes. We knew this, but even, even one moderate Democrat voted against one of the articles of impeachment. So they lost, I believe they lost a total of five votes in, in, uh, from the Democrats. They should have won, at least according to, to CNN. What was really surprising was Tulsi Gabbard, who voted president, tremendous respect. And I'm going to break down why she did the right thing. But we now may be seeing exactly what the Democrats were trying to do the whole time. Yesterday, I made a video on my main channel. If you didn't see it, go to youtube.com slash TimCast. Check it out. And I, I described this as a Democratic kamikaze on the president. They've got nothing to campaign on. They're losing the argument. They've lost the argument. The economy is booming. People be making money. They're happy. Yeah, Trump's got character defects to say, you know, to keep it light. But what, what are you going to argue? What are you you going to tell a working class family? Well, just because the guy's mean, we're going to take away your 401k. Um, and it's a little exaggerated, but yeah, you know, the market's doing well. No one's going to want to back down from that. Some people might in urban districts. So it seemed like it's all they had. Okay. When I watched the impeachment debates all yesterday, actually, I'll stop. You may notice I'm in a different location than I normally am. So I'm in the airport. CNN is on. I watched it. But uh, you, you have the Democrats and Republicans saying the same things over, over, over again. And it was funny. I was sitting at, uh, at the bar and there was a Bernie voter and there was a Trump, Trump supporter, Trump voter. I don't want to say supporter, but they were voters. 
And they were just both in agreement. Like, they just keep reading the same lines. The Democrats say, Trump abused his power for political gain. You've never proved that. And they go, these are not contested opinions. These are indisputable facts. That's not true. They are literally opinions because the Democrats not once asked a single question or presented any evidence as to the state of mind of Donald Trump pertaining to 2020. Moody's analytics, I'll say it for the billionth time, shows Trump's going to landslide. Why would Trump be scared of Biden, of all people? And Biden even win the nomination yet. It's a lie. It is a desperate Hail Mary kamikaze. And I say kamikaze because they know they are going to lose the majority. They are sacrificing what little power they have because they know they've lost the argument. No matter what they do, Trump's taking it home. Take a look at the screen. You may be seeing exactly what the intention was the whole time. You see, when they announced impeachment, I was, I was thinking to myself, this is kind of a bad idea because if it goes to the Senate, the Senate has control. That's going to push Trump's narrative and Trump wants a trial. He wants his witnesses. Why would they actually impeach Trump and then hand that power over to the Republicans? <laughs> Here it is. Here's their play. Pelosi threatens to delay Senate impeachment trial. That's it. That's your plan? Oh, man. Some legal scholars have suggested she could consider refusing to transmit articles of impeachment to the Senate, in which case they think the Senate will not actually hold a trial for Trump or dismiss it or hold them in, someone said, hold them in default. Listen, the, the, the Senate determines how the trial will be held. The articles of impeachment are already publicly available and visible. I would be I, if, I don't think it's possible to do what she's thinking she, she's going to do, right? But it seems like the idea is, 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 is simple. They impeach Trump. They get their victory. They get 10 hours of repeating the same lies over and over again, hoping people believe it. And then they never actually let the impeachment trial happen. Thus, Trump can't get his, his chance at the narrative. I don't think that will be the case. Now, here's the thing, though. Lindsey Graham and I think Mitch McConnell, to an extent, don't want to give Trump the narrative. They don't want... Uh, a Senate trial with all these witnesses and Hunter Biden. And that might actually be a smart play. Interestingly, I saw this on CNN the other day. They were having a conversation and I can't remember the guy. Was it, uh, um, was it Parit Bahara? I'm probably getting your name wrong. I'm, I get everybody's name wrong. I'm sorry. But anyway, he said often when it comes to a trial, the best defense is to just say, prove your case and I'll sit back and watch. And if they don't present evidence, the defense should just say, there's no evidence presented. We rest our case. And I think that's what many Democrats, I'm sorry, many Republicans want to do. They don't want Hunter Biden coming in because they have that narrative already. We are already questioning why Hunter Biden was getting paid this money. And many people, gotta, you got you to admit, man, there are a lot of people, not even conservatives, who don't think, you know, who, who think there was corruption there. And so, you know, I've talked to people who are never Trumpers. I have family members who just hate Trump. And it's, it's unanimous. I'm sorry it is. Why was Hunter Biden getting that money? And so when, when they tell me that, I say, so why are you mad at Trump over calling out Biden? No, who likes Biden, right? And I was talking to this woman's Bernie voter, and I said, look, if you're going to ask me, I think Bernie should be, should be behind Trump on this one. Think about it. For one, politically, it gets Biden out of the way. I don't think that's the right reason to do it. That's, you know, political nonsense. But in, the, in reality, I think Joe Biden was intervening to save his son. I really do. Otherwise, he's, you know, it's, it's also possible to do just a bumbling fool. But I think it's, 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 his, it's his son who's in trouble and, and he bailed him out. I think it's really what it is. But you know what? It doesn't matter what I think. Most people can see 
the son of a sitting vice president joining a company and getting paid either 50 or $83,000 a month, whatever the number is, is obscene, especially when the vice president is supposed to be the one weeding out the corruption. Come on, man. I think that should be investigated. So, you know, here's, here's, here's what, I've, what I've always maintained, all right? And I'm going to jump over to Tulsi and talk about why Tulsi did the right thing. I've always maintained that I think Trump is, he wants to investigate what happened with 2016 and Burisma and corruption. I don't think it's necessarily because he wants to weed out corruption in Ukraine. And I think for one, Trump doesn't want to give U.S. money to foreign countries. I think that's a fact. He's withholding aid from like Lebanon or uh, other countries. I don't think Ukraine is special. The Democrats don't have anything, so they're trying to make it seem like it is. Oh, Joe Biden. But I'm not entirely convinced, you know, Trump is this staunch anti-corruption. We're going to weed out corruption. I think it's in the back of his mind, a light consideration. But for the most part, I think he is, he is angry that they tried to smear him for three years with what we are now. Look, and I, 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 I can empathize, man, with the, with the IG report, with them showing all the FISA abuse and the lie after lie after lie from the media about what was really going on. I can't say I blame Trump because he's upset about this. And I don't think it's illegal for him to say, we're investigating. Look, you got John Durham investigating this. It's a criminal probe now. And if Trump says, we want to know what happened with here, I'm not saying Trump is an altruistic hero, but I don't think what he did was illegal or impeachable. In fact, I think he said he referred to the attorney general, said, contact the attorney general, talk to him about it. What more can you want from the guy, right? But anyway, Here's the main point. Bernie should get behind what Trump is doing because we all, we all think the Bidens did something corrupt. Like even people I know who don't like the president, I'm saying to them, listen, man, why don't you let Trump stomp around like the bull and, and, and get into it with these corrupt cronies? Because you know Hunter Biden, the Bidens are corrupt, man. Come on. We've seen article after article about it. You know it's true. Don't try and play those games. Now, you can go to the resistance anti-Trump people, and they're going to say things like, no, no, the Bidens did nothing wrong. I thought it was hilarious when uh, Jill Biden gave an interview and she said, Hunter did nothing wrong. Oh, 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 really? Didn't he leave a crack pipe in a car when he returned it? Wasn't he accused of smoking crack at a strip club? Dude, the dude's done things wrong, okay? These, are, these things are not on the level. So you don't got to act like Trump's a superhero coming to save the day and he's trying to save you. But I think it's fair to say, I'd like to know what happened with, with Hunter Biden. Now, when you talk to regular people, Regular people who do not like Trump, you know, they're gonna, you, know what, you know what? Why can't we all just say, good, investigate the Bidens, man. This is not on the level. Trump won, fine. But investigating the Bidens, so I, I, I want to talk about this Tulsi thing, but I got, I got a highlight. I made this tweet the other day. I'm sitting down with, at, at the bar and I asked them, hey, could you turn on CNN? I'm in the air, because they, they had ESPN on. And so I told them to turn on CNN. Because, and, I, and I said CNN because I was trying to be careful about all the people around me. Because I was I'm like, turn on OAN or Fox News or MSNBC, I'm like, someone's going to freak out. So I'm like, CNN's not good. I mean, I should have said C-SPAN or something, but so they turned on CNN and I went and then I realized like, oh, no, no, no. They're just showing the nonsense, you know, repeated script line. And so uh, we started talking about it and the Trump voter, it was really funny. He said, Trump's a lowlife. He called Trump a lowlife. And I laughed and I, and I was like, that's one way to put it. I, I said, I said, I'm, I'm going to try and be polite because I know I don't want to, you know, I went in an airport with a lot of people, but I'll just say this. Trump has character defects. Uh, he's a funny guy. You got to admit he, he makes jokes, but, and then the, this, the, the Trump guy was like, yeah, they all have character defects. I'm like, yeah, it's a good point. But he said, no, Trump's a low life. I wouldn't invite him to my house, but he, they said, I, he said he voted for him the first time. He's going to vote for him the second time. And it's because the money is too good. And you're not going to convince people in this country to pass up that money. And I laughed and I, and I gave him that analogy like if, if 
somebody was like, come over to my house, horse face. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Like you knew if you hung out with this dude, he was going to hook you up. Like, you know, here, I got a brand new phone. You can have it because he's like a rich and he's a really snooty jerk. You, a lot of people are going to be like, you can call me horse face all day and night if you're going to give me a hundred bucks. Like if you've got two people standing in front of you and one guy's saying, I'm going to give you a pat on the back and a handshake and that's it. The other guy's saying, I'm going to insult you and I'm going to laugh at you. And then you're going to walk away with a hundred dollar bill in your pocket. I think we know where people, people are going to go because people can take the heat. So you get a president who is boorish, as I usually describe it, but the families are happy. The jobs are coming back. And so let's, let's do this. Let's, let's jump in. This is kind of like a big um, recap for the impeachment stuff. But you may have noticed that Tulsi Gabbard voted present. And man, I was on the airplane, but I wanted to give a standing ovation to this. This is the best vote of anybody. And it's, and it's funny how the media absolutely despises her because of it. But you know what's really, really funny? While there have been a lot of conservatives who are angry, saying things like she should have voted no. No, she shouldn't have. She should not have. She did the right thing. Now, I got respect for Van Drew and for, I think, Colin Peterson is his name. The two Democrats who defected and said no dice were voting no across the board. And then you had Jared Golden who said, I'm not going to vote for one of the articles, Article 2. And he said it was a political process. This is important. He said that they rushed through the subpoenas over the Trump witnesses instead of going to the courts like they should have because they want to get it done before Christmas. And I'm offended by that. That's offensive, but he did the right thing. But I'll tell you why Tulsi did the right thing by voting present. You see, Tulsi is trying to be a leader for everybody. And being a leader for everybody means you've got two people who absolutely see the world in different ways. Trump is innocent. Trump is guilty. And what can you do to try and pull them back together? Well, I'm not saying jumping in the middle and saying, yeah, he's guilty, but this is a partisan sham isn't necessarily the right thing to do, but I have respect for it because I can see what she's trying to do. So first, I disagree with her. Um, she said that she feels, let me, let me see if I have, if they have this in the Washington Post article. She said that she came to the conclusion that she could not in good conscience vote yes or no. I could not uh, in good conscience vote against impeachment because I believe Trump is guilty of wrongdoing. Full stop. I, I, I respect doing this because you've got people on the left who are, ad, who are just absolutely convinced And if she comes out and says, you're wrong, you're wrong, she puts herself in a position where she's their enemy. She already is. So maybe the right thing should have, should have been to come out and say, there's, there's, you know, there's probable cause for a trial. But anyway, she tried, she's trying to play the center and I respect it. We need somebody to do that. We need someone who's going to say, I'm trying to be, you know, communicate with both of you. She's right. She calls this, she says it's, it's, She also could not in good conscience vote for impeachment because removal of a sitting president must not be the culmination of a partisan process fueled by tribal animosities that have so gravely divided the country. And that's it. So when I look to Van Drew, you know, he's facing a primary. He's trying to, you know, he he wants to make sure he's talking about his constituents. Tulsi Gabbard's not running for re-election. She's running for president. She has to be there for most Americans. And you got it. You got you don't don't underestimate this because I've seen even Trump supporters recognizing this. Don't underestimate the amount of Americans who are just sick and tired of all of all of this. You know, here's here's the important thing you got to realize. When we see the polls flip against impeachment, we are seeing in the polls people who hate Trump, but who also think he should not be impeached. And Tulsi recognizes that. So I respect it. If we're going to have a real president, if we're, I shouldn't say a real president, but if we're, if we're going to have a president of, you know, for the people, at least for the, from the Democratic side, they're going to have to recognize that, for one, this is a partisan nightmare. It's, you know what? I take that back. It's not, it's not even a partisan nightmare. It's a desperate Hail Mary kamikaze because Democrats are defecting. It is, there, is, there is bipartisan support in opposition to this and even nationwide. 
But the reason I think Tulsi's present is the right thing to do is because, listen, we got a bunch of people on the left who are foaming at the mouth resistance people. They're Americans too. We can't leave them behind. And as much as, you know, there's a lot, like for me, I'm, I, there, there was a guy in the airport the other day who was saying things that were clearly fake news that made no sense. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I going to come out and start citing all the sources because I, I live this stuff and he doesn't? He referred to, uh, we were in conversation, he referred to uh, the Patriot Prayer, you know, the conservative group up in, uh, in, in the Northwest as the, the Prayer Brothers. <laughs> so it's like, I don't even know what that is. But I think he was, were you talking about the Proud Boys, the Patriot Prayer? Like, I don't know. So he clearly didn't know. And he was saying things that he thought were true based on seeing, you know, half, half glazed over fake news. And I know that I immediately corrected him. And I was like, no, no, actually it was this. And then he stopped talking and turned away. I'm like, and there it is. How do you make sure you can reach these people? The, you know, I, I knew by saying that I was immediately going to push them away. Maybe the right thing would have been actually, oh, here, look, look at this story. I just pulled it up here. Take, take a read, you know, read it. And then he would have been like, oh, but instead I realized what happens. So I see Tulsi as, as recognizing impeachment has been bad the whole time. She should not have supported it, but look, the Democrats have gone nuts. I don't, I don't want to tell you, man, the Democrats are insane. Tulsi is running for president. She needs, she needs votes from the Democrats and she's trying to be a real leader for all Americans. And I, and I, and I think president was the right choice. Naturally, what do you see? They're making fun of her. They're insulting her. They're calling her stupid. And she was the only one willing to say, I'm trying to, to you know, bridge both of these sides. I'm trying to, to be a reasonable person for everybody. She's, not, she's trying to avoid the tribalism. When Van Drew came out against it, they, they called him a rat and a traitor. And now he's jumping, he's jumping ship. I mean, their ship is sinking. I think Democrats are going to annihilate in 2020, especially when you, look at, when you look at the New York Times graph that I usually show where it shows the left veering far to the left. Labor Party went the exact same direction as the Democrats. So if you look at what happened on the 13th with a conservative sweep in the UK, I think it's going to happen again. And, and, and I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. But I take a look at all of these votes and I see Republicans who are, they're, more, they're, they're in the right. They, look, this is reality. And people are saying things to me like, Tim, you, you're campaigning for Trump and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, no. If anything, I'm campaigning for Tulsi, to be honest. Like, I'm actually talking about why I think she's a, she, she would be a great president trying to bridge both sides. I think Trump has done a lot to divide this country. I think Trump has done a lot to ignite voters who didn't vote before. And I understand why people like the guy. But the, Demo the Republicans are angry. You got this partisan impeachment process. And, I, and, and they're right. They're right. The Democrats are lying across the board. They keep doing this where they say Trump said, I want a favor. No, Trump said, do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot. He was clearly talking about us as America. And if you, 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 you want to argue, you got to argue from the facts. But they don't do that. They say Trump demanded a favor. Trump said, I want a favor. He never said that. So they keep going up. They say it's not disputed, but they've never presented any evidence that Trump's frame of mind in that conversation had anything to do with Biden. They never asked anybody about Biden when they had all of these hearings say, we have documents and documents of evidence proving it. No, you don't. They're lying. They are lying. It's their last ditch Hail Mary. So I would have preferred Tulsi to come out against impeachment. It would have set her, set her apart from everybody. Okay. It, it, they would have asked her, why are you against impeachment? And she could have said straight up the whole time, it is a partisan effort. There is no support for this. And um, unless or until Republicans say, I agree, and we're going to have a conversation about this. It should not move forward. That should have been what Tulsi said. But look, I'm not Tulsi. 
I think, as much as I do respect and, and, and appreciate what she's doing, what she's trying to do, and her service and all that. And she's like my, she, she's, you know, at, at first, I got to admit, I think Yang was like, I was much more a fan of Yang. But Tulsi's quickly taken the cake in terms of doing, being principled. In 2016, she stepped down from the DNC, refusing to endorse Hillary. And now she's refused to vote yes on impeachment, so I can respect that. But you know what? I, I'll try to keep this one short. So you'll, you'll, you get the point. The, to wrap up this video, the main play, they're, they're going to try and block impeachment from going through, period. But whether or not Mitch McConnell allows it to happen, he might just say, okay, if you're not going to send us the articles, we're going to get rid of it. And then we can see what's really going on with the Democrats. Tribalism's getting worse. So I've got to go. Uh, I, I am, I am, you may have noticed I'm currently not in my, my typical place of work. And so um, I'm going to be mixing mixing things up in terms of other work that I'm doing. So I'm going to bounce now, but stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Uh, it's kind of an abrupt end because I got I to gotta go do work, but you can see that trending on Twitter is Tulsi is a coward and vote, like, vote present like Tulsi. She's a Russian, Russian asset. You can see what happens when you try to be bipartisan, when you try to say, I want to be there for even the people I disagree with. They'll, they'll come to destroy you. So anyway, I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Last month, Dennis Prager appeared on Bill Maher with several other liberal types. And for some reason, he started talking about this weird men menstruating. I mean, it's just so silly. Why would Dennis Prager make something like that up? He was claiming, the left was claiming, that men menstruate. And Bill Maher was incredulous. He said, what are you talking about? Nobody is saying this. I know it's so ridiculous. Well, Dennis Prager went on to claim that at Berkeley, they're putting tampons in the men's room and everybody rolled their eyes. Oh, these silly right wingers believing this fake news. Here's the story from Mediaite. Dennis Prager derails Bill Maher's segment on Trump's lies into discussion of menstruating men. I mean, that's so ridiculous. It's, oh my God, it's true. <laughs> of course it was true. We all know it's true. Did you make it through that? Or how many of you are getting angry? You're like, Tim, what are you saying? We know it's real. Of course it's real. Look at this. ACLU calls for tampons in men's rooms in order to achieve menstrual equity. Yeah, <laughs> menstrual equity. It's true. It's real. And you know, don't look, don't take my word for it. I saw this from Fox News and I said, but come on. If we've got Dennis Prager, conservative guy, Fox News, you know, conservative network, I'm still not going to believe you. I refuse. It's just another case of crazy right-wingers pushing crazy nonsense. No, it's real. The ACLU has written this big thing about it. This was published on the 17th. News and commentary, menstruation-related discrimination and sex discrimination. We don't need to erase trans or non-binary people to make that point. Our discussion of the tampon tax must include every person who menstruates. Yeah, I don't know where the ACLU has been, but because we've gotten through the, the general idea of what the segment is about, I want to take you back in time to when Mediaite was mocking Dennis Prager, who was right. You know, before I jump into all this, I do have to say one thing. I was talking to my buddy, and I said, you know what I found? I don't think, my liberal friends don't watch the news. Uh, and, and look, it's anecdotal, maybe it's just me, but I think you probably know a lot of this. They don't watch the news. They hear it from their friends. They hear it from CNN for the most part. So when I tell my friend, I was talking to my friend the other day, Lefty, and I said, do you know that Virginia was going to pass a, uh, proposed a bill that would essentially allow a woman for like potentially dubious reasons to get an abortion in the third trimester, like right at the point of birth. And the governor even talked about delivering the baby and then deciding after the fact. And she said, that's BS. That's not true. You're making this up. She didn't believe me. So I pulled up the law, the actual law. 
And I said, here you go. And she read it. And it's like, oh, wow. That's dramatically broadening the, 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 you know, the, the, law, uh, the law, I guess, the criteria for getting an abortion that late. Essentially, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to keep this one. We'll, we'll jump back into this. But essentially, it was like, if one doctor thinks the mental health of a woman will be negatively impacted, there is no restriction on when or how she gets the abortion. So she didn't believe me. And I said, I think it's because I've been following the news. And so it's not an issue of being right wing or left wing. I think you end up seeing this bias because the left doesn't follow this stuff. When, Dave, when Dennis Prager went on Bill Maher and said this, Bill Maher was shocked. What are you talking about? Well, Bill Maher, do you read the news? Apparently you get it late. And that's, that's why they were all so wrong on Covington. It kind of makes it, it, it makes sense. It becomes simple, right? So media writes this story where Prager says Trump does lie. This is funny. Mar says he does lie. You would agree with that? You would agree with that? He does, Prager said, prompting laughter and applause. Yes, Prager's right. Trump lies. You know what, you know what, you know what I love about Trump? And I'm saying love in kind of like, not, not like an actual, I, I like the guy kind of sense. It's just like, I am, I am, uh, I am impressed by Donald Trump's gall over two things. The stupid things he lies about, like relationships and like who he slept with or whatever. And then blatantly telling us what he's doing with foreign policy and like weapons in Saudi Arabia. So that's why The Intercept said he was the most honest president. Because a lot of times it doesn't matter. And he says something that's kind of like, what? You're lying about that. That doesn't, what, what do you, why, what? Now, I do think it's fair to say he's wrong. And, and the left will call being wrong a lie. And there's a difference between intentionally misleading someone and just getting something incorrect. But Trump lies. They all lie. I'm not going to play any games. I think all politicians lie. I know Trump is a different kind of politician. And that's why I'm impressed that he blatantly just blurts out the truth on a lot of important issues. That makes him very different from someone like Obama. And people love that. Whether or not, you know, it matters that he lies about stupid, small things, personal celebrity, or like, I don't know, man, just like things in the past, ah, whatever. But anyway, let's not derail again. They basically said Prager somehow went from admitting Trump lies to attacking the political left and arguing the United States is not racist. Quote, these are giant left-wing lies. To say that men can menstruate is a lie. And that is now, check it out, folks. Prager said, with most of the audience and the rest of the panel now laughing at him. Yeah, laughing at him. Where did that come from, Mar asked. Just Google it. Men can menstruate, Prager said. Who is saying this, Mar said, clearly confused. It's, you know, it's because the ACLU tweeted trans men are men, you know, over and over and over and over again. He says, it soon became more clear that Prager was getting heated about transgender athletes, very far from the original point of the argument, where Marr asked Prager if Trump lies. Now, I'll tell you this. Prager is the last person, in my opinion, well, not, well, yeah, one of the last people who flips out and falters on the argument and derails. He, he's constructed a massively successful channel and network of personalities with concise arguments that are on point. I think Prager knows what he's talking about. So, what, the way they're kind of framing it is that he's, he's getting all flustered and he can't back himself. Oh, I, 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 no, no. He said he mentioned Berkeley specifically. Oh, they don't. Me- oh, they, they do mention that. He said uh, Prager also got heated about tampons being available in a men's bathroom at, at, at Berkeley. Marr joked that it was probably because men were being asked by their girlfriends to get tampons. Dennis, I remember in the old show, you were a little more reasonable, Marr said. No, Bill Marr. You know, I like Bill Maher when he rags on how insane the left is, but dude, they don't read the news. If they did, they would have got Covington right. If they did, Bill Maher would have been like, Dennis, yeah. You know what's really funny about Bill Maher? Because I do like the guy. I'm, I've, I've been very critical of his recession comments and all that stuff, but I think he calls it out much better than many on the left. But here's, here's the truth. When I watch his show, you know why I like watching Bill Maher or like the clips? Because he's just saying the same thing I said two months ago. He was wrong about Covington. 
So were all these other journalists. Because I actually looked at the video. I actually dug. I stayed up night all night looking through this two-hour-long live stream, coordinating with people, seeing what was going on, looking for the evidence. And it was a decentralized effort. I don't act like I was the only one who was figuring out the truth. All of us online paying attention were digging through this to figure out what was really going on. Bill Maher is late to the party. But I respect that he at least has those principles. Bill Maher recently came out, you know, and he said, there's a real risk of a second civil war. Congratulations. I was there a year ago tracking the news about this. But I can respect that he's now getting on board and saying, listen, we got to be careful about this. Not that I think the world's going to end, but it's a fact that if everybody's at each other's throats and the president's being impeached and all this other nonsense, yeah, you're risking stuff. So here's what ends up happening. I know I'm kind of burying the lead, so I apologize. ACLU calls for tampons in men's rooms to achieve menstrual equity. It is not about a guy getting a tampon for his girlfriend. It is about literally them saying men menstruate. Men don't. Okay, I, I know this is, this is controversial, but in the definitive sense of what the English language is, as for now, you can talk about your left-wing bubbles, you can talk about you know, Twitter's rules, and you can talk about us being polite and referring to trans individuals by male or female. I have no problem with you know, you know, respecting people. But Wikipedia, as of now, the scientific consensus for humanity, man man and men refer to adult human males and women refers to adult human females. If you want to make an argument about that, fine. I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't do. I understand times change. But the point is, for the time being, when you say men menstruate, you are speaking in a way that the average person doesn't quite understand. And so the reality is men don't, trans men do. And for some reason, that's really, really offensive to a lot of people. Now, I'll tell you what. You want to change the definition so you can make yourself feel better? I don't know what to tell you, man. You can't change Wikipedia. And you can't expect me to say, I'm going to agree with the minority, the, the very, very small minority on this one, when the general consensus in our country and our, in the world of English speakers is, is what the word means. Now, that, you know, to, to, to clarify, first of all, man, I don't care if there are tampons in the men's room. Does, does, are people really getting freaked out about this? Now, I understand what Dennis is saying. When they say men can menstruate, I understand why, why people would be upset about that. I'll tell you what, if they put tampons in the men's room, I literally wouldn't care at all. And if someone needed to use them, literally don't care at all. I mean, I get the idea that they're, they're going to make someone pay for it or whatever, but there's probably a circumstance in which a dude could grab tampons for his girlfriend, I guess. You don't got to go to the supermarket, just get them from the bathroom. But I do think it's important to realize that making these broad changes that will cost money because you know, you've got like, 1% or 0.5% of the population who would require this, I think we got we to gotta, we gotta reprioritize here, right? If you're somebody who needs tampons, you should go and buy them, I guess. And if they're going to, you know, I, I honestly, I think this is kind of a, a, a stupid argument anyway. You know why? Now, that's where everyone's going to get mad. First of all, conservatives, I think you lost this one. I really do. They've already passed the, the, the gender equality bathroom bills. And so what businesses are now doing, they're getting rid of men and women's rooms. They're just creating single-use bathrooms. And I think it really solves the problem for everybody. I actually prefer that. I got to be honest. Listen, man, when I go to a restaurant, I don't like going into some like stinky open bathroom with stalls and urinals and you hear someone farting and I'm like, I got to smell this. And no, I like, I like the idea that I have my, my nice little room and they get a little, you get your own little sink, you lock the door behind you and you have your own little privacy. I like it. That's just me. So with all these laws and changes that we're seeing in like, you know, New York is a good example. I can't speak for every, every jurisdiction. They're no longer making like an open room with like multiple stalls. I went to one place and you know what? Not, not my cup of tea. If it's, it's, if this is what you guys are all about, you do your thing. It was a sports bar and they didn't have urinals. They had a trough. I swear to God, it was a trough. It was like a big steel bin and guys are supposed to just stand around it, peeing into it. And I'm like, look, man, I don't know. It's just me. 
Maybe I got a shy bladder. I kind of like having a little privacy, a little, little throne room, you know, just to like to mind my own business, you know, play on my phone and not really think about stuff. And then when you, you jack on the stinky smells, when you get all these dudes around you farting and stuff, I like the idea of a private booth. So this is a moot argument in my opinion. I understand what Prager is saying. I respect his argument. They're not, he's not, he's not saying this is the, the problem. He's saying it, it, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a bit of evidence to prove that when he says they're going around claiming men can menstruate, this is what they're, they're you know, this, this proves it. He's right. That, that's, that's the case. When they say they want, you know, when the ACLU says it's gender equity or whatever to do this, yeah, it's because they say trans men are men and all this stuff, and that's their, and that's their position. But I'll tell you what, man, at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know what I think it is? Let me, let, me, let me put it this way. I think you guys can clearly see I think like a liberal, right? Conservatives, I love, I, I, I love talking about Jonathan Haidt's moral foundations research. I'm not saying it's definitive, but it is, um, it, it, it is interesting. And if you were to take him at, at his research at face value and say we, we trust him, conservatives have sanctity and purity and liberals don't. So for me, excuse me, I understand why conservatives would be upset by this. They're like, dude, we have a culture. We want to preserve that culture. It's a working culture. It survived. It's, it's benefited us. We've improved. That's one of the issues that conservatives really focus on that liberals don't. For me, I see the change and I'm like, so you're saying that I get my own private bathroom? I don't care if there's tampons in it. I, you know, and I think, I think the, what, what the big difference in a lot of ways between me and like your, your regular liberals is I'm much more libertarian. There's, there, you know what I, you know, I, know, I noticed this. The political compass, the political spectrum from left to right, it's actually diagonal. So if you look at the political compass, you've got the authoritarian left, uh, you know, libertarian left, authoritarian right, libertarian right. I fall on the libertarian lefty spectrum. Most of these lefties are on the authoritarian lefty spectrum. And most of the right is on the libertarian right spectrum, at least for now. And that's really it. I think so. And I think the reason why I would get along so well with a lot of, you know, more conservative types is because it's about libertarianism. That's it. My concerns about putting tampons in a bathroom has nothing to do with sanctity. I literally don't care. My concerns about a lot of these issues has to do with liberty, freedom. So when they tell you you have to use a gender pronoun, that's a violation of liberty. To a lot of conservatives, it's a violation of tradition, sanctity, purity, cultural norms, etc. That's where that overlap comes from. If you tell me I have to do something, I'm going to get mad because I'm a liberty-minded individual. I'm, I'm lefty on these causes, though. I don't, I don't care if they put tampons in a men's room. I think, <laughs> I think it's silly. My big, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to this. We'll circle back to this. But I think that's where there's, there's the current overlap. So the left right now is authoritarian. You must pay for this, and we're going to do it whether you want it or not. See, I don't agree with that. I don't think I have a right to go to a conservative neighborhood and say, I know you've lived this way for 100 years. We're coming in with, you know, with, with armed forces to force you to live the way we want you to do. No. No, 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 we can't do that. Culture changes and progresses and improves because we talk to each other, we understand each other, and we grow together. Showing up and just smacking someone in the face and telling them do it or else is, in my opinion, a violation of principle, integrity, norms, civil rights, all these problems. But you look at Antifa. It's a perfect example. The people going around claiming they're fighting for justice and whatever and against fascism are authoritarian, and they will hit you to get what they want. So let's do, let's do the main point. My main point is, I really don't care if they put tampons in the men's room. I don't think that's a big deal. I can respect why Prager is saying they're lying, though, because I hate media lies and I hate how they try to manipulate. That, that I have in common with, with someone like uh, Dennis. But the most important takeaway from this, honestly, I didn't want to record this video because the ACLU said there should be tampons in a men's room. I don't care. Like, give me free stuff. Fine, whatever. You know, I, I understand someone's paying for it. I'm joking. The point is, you see how they attack and smear Dennis Prager because they're, they have no idea what they're talking about. 
this is what bothers me. I feel like one of the reasons why so many people on the left would say that Tim is conservative or whatever is because I'm actually just paying attention the same way many conservatives are. When the Democrats are losing, when the polls show Trump is winning, when yes, the ACLU is saying put tampons in men's room, and then Prager comes out and says, did you know this? They all laugh, (laughs) sipping their tea from their ivory tower. What a foolish man. And it's frustrating because it's like, dude, you're the dumb ones. You're the ignorant. You didn't read this. Dennis is correct. I don't agree with him politically on a lot of issues. I follow Prager and there's so many posts where I'm like, no, no, I disagree. But principally, and in this instance, he was correct. They are claiming men can menstruate. If you have a problem with that, take it up with whoever else. But it is true. And they laugh at him. It's also like what happened with Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was on Chuck Todd. Chuck on MSNBC. Chuck Todd asked Ted Cruz, do you believe that Ukraine meddled? And Ted Cruz says, I believe there is evidence, yes, that they, they, you know, absolutely did. And then you can hear on the MSNBC side, everyone starts laughing. And the, you do? (laughs) These snooty know-it-alls who don't read the news. Chuck Todd never even bothered Googling the New York Times, the Financial Times, the Washington Post, Politico. The reporting all exists. And they laugh like they're smart. And we're sitting here going, dude, Ted Cruz was right about that. I'm not talking about his position on pro-choice or not. I probably disagree with the guy on that. I'm assuming he's pro-life. I'm not. But he was right. This is the the weird, stupid world we live in. Dennis Prager goes on 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 a primetime show, and because the liberal audience doesn't read the news, they laugh at him like he's crazy. And then sure enough, a month later, there's the official statement from the ACLU. So again, let me make it clear. I think a lot of this is due to algorithmic manipulation. You have these, uh, um, the, the way Facebook worked and the A-B testing and machine learning that these companies like BuzzFeed did found that the more they go after anger and justice and marginalized groups, the more traffic and money they make. It breeds this weird culture where the ACL used to defend the Klan and their free speech because they were principled into the ACLU calling for <laughs> public funding of tampons and men's rooms, whatever. I'll tell you this. I can understand the concern about how we waste money on some things like this. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, you don't got to agree with me, but I don't care about this stuff, dude. I really don't. Some of it I, I, I do. Like if they're going to start charging people taxes, if they argue that universities should spend money, university can spend money however they want, right? If they, look, I, I, even if they're getting public funding, I really don't care. I really, really don't. Now, if they try and take your money away for things that are ridiculous, then we start screeching about it. But again, I'll wrap this up. My main point is this doesn't bother me because as someone who's very liberal-minded, uh, I recognize the moral foundations. I recognize that sanctity doesn't have the same impact as it, as it would on a conservative. So I can certainly see why conservatives take issue with this. When it comes to freedom, that's where you're more likely to get me on the side with conservatives concerned about whether or not we're being forced to do things we don't want to do. But in the end, the bigger issue I had was with, with this is how the left and the media are just these snooty, laughing narcissists who think they're smarter than you, and they're not. And that's what it's really all about. So I'll tell you what, if you have a problem with this, Hey, man, you're free to, to, to uh, you know, tell me your opinion, to comment below, tell me I'm wrong, I disagree for whatever reason. And I, got, I, I, res- I respect the idea that people have their opinions. I respect that you think it's bad. I respect, you know, the points they're making. I don't respect the media lying and being snooty and stupid but pretend, while pretending that they're smart. So whatever. I'll wrap it up there. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment is coming up on my other channel, youtube.com slash Timcast at 4 p.m. And I will see you all then. 
J.K. Rowling reaps what she has sown. For the longest time, she's played up to the wokeness of the far left, retconning the Harry Potter novels, for those that aren't familiar, saying that character was actually this race and that character was actually this identity. Well, she's played that game a whole lot. She panted a whole lot. And now she's been canceled. Why? There's a really, it's, 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 I know, it's complicated. There's a complicated story involving a woman who says biological sex is real. She lost her job because of this and she just lost her hearing. J.K. Rowling spoke up for her, and I have tremendous respect for this. But now the left is saying J.K. Rowling is a TERF, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, which some people consider to be a slur. Let's read the story, and I won't waste your time with my exposition. We'll get to that point. Newsbusters reports J.K. Rowling condemned by Twitter mob for transphobic tweet. Turns out Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling might not be as progressive as she thought. Recently, the fantasy writer angered radical LGBTQ folks on social media for tweeting a, def- a defense of a person fired for believing there are only two genders. Full stop, Newsbusters, not the case. This woman said, male and female exist. She is correct. She said gender expression identity is different and people can express themselves however they want. She took the fair and reasonable approach. She actually ceded the gender framing to the left. But because she said male and female are real and a male can never become a female, that's it. So no, it's not about two genders. Technically it is from their framing, but I want to make sure that's, that's clarified. The author has since been called a transphobe or more specifically a TERF. For a woman who was once so woke that she officially altered the sexuality of one of her, one of her series main characters to appease lefty fans, this is a bit jarring, but I, but I got to say, man, when people do the right thing, I give them respect and encourage them to do better. If J.K. Rowling is going to speak up for a woman who is unjustly fired, she did the right thing. And this is exactly what you can expect from the fringe authoritarian left who want to now destroy her over this. So you know what? I'm going to make a bet. How much do you want to bet J.K. Rowling is going to apologize? And that would be sad. I would would be sad if she does, but I think she will. I think she's going to do something stupid like, I didn't understand. I wasn't aware. Because I'll tell you what, man. Mario Lopez, bless his soul, went on the Candace Owens show and said, three-year-olds can't be trans. And then he apologized for it. And I have no respect for that. I'm sorry. Three-year-olds don't know what trans is. Three-year-olds might not even be speaking proper English at that point to even have a concept of something like gender expression. Let's read on. On Thursday morning, US time, of course, it was probably afternoon tea for the British writer, Rowling tweeted the politically incorrect blunder. And I'll show you her tweet. She said, Dress however you please, call yourself whatever you like, sleep with any consenting adult who, who will have you, live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real, I stand with Maya. And the top the response that I see is this, uh, it's Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, I love honey, but you know what I don't love? Turfs, trans rights are human rights. And now this is one of the top trends in the world. JK Rowling, oh heavens, how dare she? This is woman who was a writer for Rick and Morty. And she tweeted something like retire and then you know, called her a, a B word. I don't want to say it. And you know what I thought about that? I'm like, I don't, I don't think she should retire over this. I don't think she should you know, lose her job because she's, she stood up for somebody. Uh, I also don't agree with insulting her. However, I do think she should retire in general. You know why? The past several Harry Potter movies, you know, the, the what, Grindelwald or whatever is trash. They're all really bad. The writing's awful. You, di- you, you did Harry Potter. It's a, it's, I love it. It's great stuff. But at this point, all you've done now is gone on Twitter and provoke people politically and pander to a woke left that will cast you out like a leper the moment 
you actually stand up for something you believe in. So maybe you should retire. I mean, I got to be honest. I don't know. Maybe she did retire already. It's not like she's writing more Harry Potter books, though she is doing Harry Potter stuff, whatever. But let's, 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 let's talk about what's actually going on here. This is what she's talking about. Maya Forstater. Judge rules against researcher who lost job over transgender tweets. They say, this is the Guardian, by the way. A researcher who lost her job at a think tank after tweeting that transgender women cannot change their biological sex has lost a test case because her opinions were deemed to be absolutist. That's a fact. Well, you look, man, I'll tell you this. Up until the point we develop technology that can radically alter your DNA and reconstruct your body at the cellular level, males cannot become female or vice versa. Now you can become a trans, you know, you can trans transition and you can present as male or female, but that's different from literally being as such. In a keenly anticipated judgment that will stir up fresh debate over transgender issues, Judge James Taylor, an employment judge, ruled that Maya Forstater's views did not have the protected characteristic of philosophical belief. That's insane. They're facts. It's biological fact. Where, where's reality going? The law is Trump in reality. <laughs> we're, we're doomed. I'll tell you what. Forstater, 45, a tax expert, was, visiting, was a visiting fellow at the Center for Global Development an international think tank that campaigns against poverty and inequality. Her contract at the charitable organization, which is based in Washington and London, was not renewed in March after a dispute over publicizing her views on social media. She was accused of using offensive and exclusionary language in tweets opposing government proposals to reform the Gender Recognition Act to allow people to self-identify as the opposite sex. Because what you need to understand is that we'll remove sex-based protections. Okay, you are actually taking away people's rights. I'm not, I'm not saying that by giving trans people rights, you would take them away. I'm saying the way you've framed these laws so far are causing this problem. And I know it's a difficult, it's a, it's, it's a challenging situation how to navigate this. But if you want to protect people who are biologically female and trans people, it's not the way you do it, especially not this. A woman, a female, now loses her job over this. The Central London Employment Tribunal convened a preliminary hearing over the issue of whether her tweets, such as, quote, men cannot change into women, should be protected under the 20, uh, 20, uh, 2010 Equality Act. She funded her legal challenge through the Crowd at Justice website. Forstater had been supported by Index on Censorship. Its chief executive, Jody Ginsburg, has said previously, from what I have read of Forstater's writing, I cannot see that Maya has done anything wrong other than express an opinion that many feminists share that there should be a public and open debate about the distinction between sex and gender. But in a 26-page judge, you know, you know, I'm going to stop real quick. This is the bane of transgender rights. This is, this, is, this is what will end real arguments in favor of the trans community. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it like it is, and I know that these activists are causing these problems. I'm, I'm going to tell you right, up, right now. If you want to pass laws that protect trans people, then the conversation needs to be had so that we can guarantee those distinctions, right? When we, when we make a law that says you cannot discriminate based on this factor, we actually have a legal definition of what that factor is. If we say race, then we say, you know, legally race is defined as this. We tell people what it means. Not always, not always. But oftentimes you will find legal definitions, especially in like contract laws. So I'll tell you this. If gender, if you are arguing that gender is something different from biological sex, then that is your path towards protecting transgender people. And if feminists want to protect based on sex, that is a different category. Sex and gender identity are going to be different. But if someone tries to say that and you get them fired, congratulations, you have no advocates arguing for your position. And you know, what's funny is that when I point this out, which is actually a pro-transgender rights argument, 
how we can, how we can classify and protect transgender people. They get mad at me. I get in trouble. Whatever. Don't care. We live in Wally world. Everyone's nuts. In response to the ruling, Forestator said, I struggle to express the shock and disbelief I feel at reading this judgment, which I think will be shared by the vast majority of people who are familiar with my case. Quote, my belief is that sex is a biological fact and is immutable. That's a fact. I'm, I'm, I'm adding that, by the way. There are two sexes, male and female. Men and boys are male. Women and girls are female. It is impossible to change sex. These were, uh, these were until very recently understood as basic facts of life by almost everyone. It's entirely possible that in the future, we have some kind of wonderful new technology we don't understand by today's me- metrics that can literally turn someone into the, uh, the opposite sex. For now, what we can do is cosmetic surgery and hormone therapy, but that does not change your sex. It just means you're on hormone therapy and have gotten surgery. Now you can present that way and people can respect you and refer to you in the way that you want to be referred to. That's called someone being polite. If she says these are facts we need to, we need to discuss if we're going to pass laws that are appropriate, yes, she is correct. This judge removes women's rights and the right to freedom of belief and speech. It gives judicial license for women and men who speak up for objective truth and clear debate to be subject to aggression, bullying, no platforming, and economic punishment. I will consider the judgment closely with my legal team to determine what can be done to challenge it. So that's what happened. And that's why J.K. Rowling is under fire, because she did the right thing. And they're going to punish her for it. J.K. Rowling, who has played the woke game for a long time, is now coming out and saying this is a step too far. And I respect that. Check this tweet out. Act up NY. Definition, turf. Trans exclusionary radical feminist. J.K. Rowling, you are a turf. Your violent denial of trans and non-binary existence is gravely disappointing, yet unsurprising to our siblings who saw this coming. Act Up is a diverse nonpartisan group of individuals united in anger and commitment to direct action to end the AIDS crisis. Yes, Act Up verified Twitter said that she is a she is pushing violent denial. What? <laughs> you see how far this goes? J.K. Rowling did nothing violent. She tweeted an opinion. That's it. They call it violence. You know what they say isn't violence? Smashing windows, throwing Molotovs, bashing skulls. That's not violence. It's not violence. We're fighting oppression. And then J.K. Rowling tweets an opinion. In my opinion, the correct opinion, but that's just me. And they say this about her. So in, in case th- those of you were curious as to why they have finally come and canceled J.K. Rowling, now you know. So I'll leave you with this. I think she will apologize. I think she's going to pull a Mario Lopez and say, I didn't realize. I thought three, you know, maybe three-year-olds really do understand all of this stuff. Yeah, I think she's going to apologize. You know, I don't know, though. You know, she has a few money, okay? She's rich. She, she was a billionaire. I believe she donated a lot of it. So we'll see what happens. But I'll, I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up in just a few minutes. And I will see you all in the next segment. A former doctor for Obama says Biden is not a healthy guy. And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. The dude doesn't know where he is half the time. But the reason this story is important is because recently a different doctor came out and said that Joe Biden was healthy and energetic. And I'm sorry, I got to stop you there. Listen, man, I got no beef with people who are older in their 70s, 80s. You know, you've earned it. You can relax. Biden's got a storied career of public service. And I can respect that much as I disagree with a lot of what he did. Times change. I get it. Biden, it's time to go chill and to go, you know, teach the youngins and be an elder and not be in this position. Because we see you gaff. We see you slip up. We see your teeth slip. I'm going to say 
while yes, he may be healthy for a 77-year-old, I think it's unfair to say he's a generally healthy guy. And now we have this story. Lots of issues. Former Obama doctor says Biden, not a healthy guy. Did we really need a news article about this? Yes, we did. You know why? Because we live in a world where the media is going to pretend like Joe Biden is of sound mind. Sorry, but you know what I will tell you? I can really see the unity coming together between left and right on issues like this. Cenk Uger of the Young Turks tweeting something's wrong with Biden. At the same time, you'll see conservatives at the de- uh, watching the debate tweeting the same thing. And we can all come together and hold hands around the idea that Joe Biden is unfit to be president. You want to have an argument about Trump? By all means, go and do it. Today, we're talking about Joe Biden. They report, former President Barack Obama's once longtime doctor said the medical records Joe Biden's campaign disclosed are concerning and incomplete. He's not a healthy guy, Dr. David Shiner, who was Obama's personal physician for 22 years before he became president, concluded after reading the records. He's not in bad shape for his age, but I wouldn't say he's in outstanding health. Could I guarantee he won't have issues for the next four years? He has a lot of issues that are just sort of sitting there. And then you got to take into consideration that Biden would end up being, what, like 82 years old when he ran for re-election. There was a rumor going around that Biden was going to run for one term just to get rid of Trump and pave the way. And then he came out and said, it was, this is really funny. He came out and said, uh, I am not there. I have never talked about having one term. I can't remember who made the joke, but then they were like, I think it was Crowder. He, uh, he, maybe it was Crowder. I don't remember, but they were like, yeah, I don't think you'll get one term either. And I'm like, oh, bazing. But anyway, Joe Biden's an old dude. You know, he gaffs. Let's just keep reading. A three-page letter from Biden's physician concluded the former vice president is a healthy, vigorous 77-year-old. Yes, he's healthy and vigorous for a 77-year-old. That is fit to be present. Now, that I disagree with. But the letter also revealed Biden receives treatment for an irregular heartbeat and high cholesterol, and that he deals with acid reflux and seasonal allergies. Yeah, oh, come on. Acid reflux and seasonal allergies? Get out of here. It noted his already known history of aneurysms and that he took blood thinners. I think Trump is on certain medication too for, for, blood, for cholesterol. The details from the letter made Schreiner, 81, concerned about Biden's potential for strokes. And he said he would want to see results from an MRI, MRI or CT scan because Biden also used to have sleep apnea before getting surgery on his sinus and nasal passages. Schreiner said he would also like to review the results of a sleep study. Joe Biden is not going to do any of that. Joe Biden is going to run. And I think, I think it's fair to say at this point, I understand we're kind of far out. We'll see what happens. I kind of feel like Biden's not going to make it. I don't think he'll be the nominee. I think it might be Buttigieg. Buttigieg plays up that same base. Buttigieg is courting the, 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 the big billionaire you know, dollars, the big donor, the, the big Democrat donors. And he's a young buck. He's a young dude. Or I say he's, he's much younger. And he's got the same, same similar line to Biden. He's like their plan B. And he's been doing well in the polls. I think you're going to see a big push. All of a sudden, MSNBC and CNN are going to be like, wow, Buttigieg's really starting to shine. And they're going to say his name a million times to make sure he pops up in the polls. But that's just my speculation. Let's keep reading. The report doesn't mention an MRI, despite the fact that Biden uh, Biden had two brain aneurysms in 1988, the first of which almost killed him. Earlier this year, the examiner interviewed Biden's former surgeon who vouched the 2020 frontrunner was in the clear. The latest health information doesn't mention details of any checkups that likely occurred to screen for future issues. The report also included mention of surgeries that hadn't been previously disclosed, including one for an enlarged prostate. He is 77, though. Previously, the public only knew Biden had received treatment for the disorder. Dr. Kevin O'Connor, who wrote the assessment, also stated 
that Biden had received multiple physical therapy treatments and surgeries for various sports medicine and orthopedic injuries, but declined to specify any further. I had no idea Biden had such a history. My goodness gracious. My goodness gracious. He's got a lot of history, Shiner said. Biden's last medical records disclosure from where from when he was Obama's running mate in 2008 was 49 pages. He has faced speculation this election cycle about his age and mental capacity, including from President Trump, who has said Biden is not playing with a full deck. And you know what? Trump is right. Look, man, I'm not here to rag on Biden's career, to go back in time and dig up policies that made sense in the 80s that don't make sense today or that are offensive today. I'm here to point out that I don't care who you are. And this goes for Trump as well. When you're 77, you might just be too old to be president. In fact, when you're 70, here's the thing. Donald Trump, how old is Trump now? 72 or something? He got in just before 70 and he's running for re-election. So you know what? I can give that. I can give that one to Trump. He's already the president. He's going to run for a re-election. He's past 70. He's still the president. Okay, I guess so. But I got I to gotta admit, I'm still averse. You know, first of all, I'm averse to Trump for a lot of reasons. But I think, man, when you're getting on, you're getting on. Now, I'll tell you this. I think Trump Jr. might run in 2024. There's a lot of people talking. Trump Jr. is going to run in 2024. And I think he's going to have an epic economy and, 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 and a bunch of successes that will help him in 2024, I think people are going to say, I mean, look at George Bush, at George Bush Jr. I will tell you this. I'm not a big fan of, of legacy families. I don't like that the Bushes, the Bushes and the Clintons tried to the Clintons. No, no, I don't want to play that. All right. But I do think it's possible that, you know, when Trump gets out, another Trump will step in because people really do. Look, there's a lot of people who hate Trump. There's a lot of people who really love him more than they loved any other president. A lot of people have been ambivalent and didn't care and never cared for the president. All of a sudden now are politically engaged. So let me let me get back to the main point. Joe Biden be old. Elizabeth Warren is also very old. Bernie Sanders had a heart attack and is very old. Man, can I ask this question? What's going on? I mean, I guess we got Tulsi Gabbard, Buttigieg. They're, they're pretty young. Cory Booker's not super old. But why are the front runners all super old people? You know what I mean? Like Tulsi's not pulling in the top. Neither is Yang. For some reason, I feel like millennials have some kind of permanent childhood crisis. All right, here's, here's how I see it. Instead of becoming adults, and taking care of their own problems and recognizing themselves as the current leaders and of, of industry. They're looking to the past generation. So, how, I mean, what generation is Bernie in? He's not a boomer. No, he's not a boomer. What is he, greatest generation? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What generation is that? It's greatest, right? They're, they're up there. Even Trump. You know, what is it about these current field of you know, politics? Of, of, we've got 30-year-olds. Listen, man, like Buttigieg is, is, I think he's just about a millennial and Gabbard too. Where, where are the rest of millennials recognizing themselves and other younger people? I mean, other adults, you're, full, you're a fully fledged adult in the middle of your life in your 30s. Where are they at? I mean, it's, it's always been the craziest thing to me because I look to myself as I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a leader of industry, right? I'm not saying that to be like, I'm the biggest thing in the world. No, it's like, I have a career. I'm responsible for myself. I run a business, you know, and I'm, I'm to, be, to be rather modest, I understand I have a large following. And so when I, when, I, when I think about what's going on in the world, I think to myself, if it's going to get done, it's going to get done when I do it. Where are the millennials who think that? No, instead they're going, Bernie will do it. No, 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 you go do it. Stop, stop leaving it up to the 70-year-olds. Now, I get it. Bernie and Biden, they want to do it. But let's read a little bit more of this. They say, historically, presidential candidates have relied on letters from their personal doctors to disclose details of their health to the public. As a result, there's no uniform way that a candidate's medical information is presented to voters, and there's no guarantee the information is complete. And this applies to Trump as much as it applies to Biden, Hillary, or otherwise. Here's the difference. 
While Trump is overweight, fact, Trump doesn't seem like, Trump seems like he's there. You know what I mean? Like his teeth aren't falling. I got implants. He could probably afford it. But you think about Trump's comments and you think about when he goes on these like expositional tirades, and I'm not saying tirade in negative. I'm saying like he gets up on stage during his rallies and he just goes for it. It's very similar to what I do. And I know, let, let me tell you something. When I was doing this two years ago, I got better and better and better. I didn't used to do straight live reads with no script. A lot of people think I have scripts. I got no scripts. I got a news article. I read it and then I talk. I used to have talking points. And then over time, I got better and better. Trump, he's there. You can argue that he's got bad judgment and people try to claim he's mentally unfit. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Trump may be stupid, right? And I'm not, I'm not personally calling him stupid. I'm saying you may look at what Trump is doing and think he's making bad choices because he's stupid. That's very different from being mentally unsound or unwell. So I'll tell you the difference between Trump and Biden. First, I would not want to vote for somebody who's in their 70s. No disrespect, but somebody's got to make it eight years, all right? And I mean that, again, with all due respect. Donald Trump is crossing that threshold. He's crossed it. And he's running for re-election. That's a, that's a negative, all right? I wouldn't vote for Trump anyway. I know. Biden, you're never going to get my vote. Bernie, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, and I did like Bernie. He was in his 70s back in 2016, but he's also had a heart attack. Warren just crossed the threshold. I think we need some younger people in here, man. But I'll tell you what. When you look at Trump and when you look at Biden, Trump isn't forgetting where he is all the time. Trump does say stupid things, but so do we all. Like Trump did that thing where he said he's going to build, he's building a wall around Colorado and everyone laughed. And I thought it was funny. And in, this is what I talk about. I say Trump lies about dumb things. He said something like it was a joke and everyone knows it. It's like, dude, all you have to say is, I, I slipped my, you know, it happens. You know, people will be talking. They'll say the wrong word. It happens to everybody. That's all Trump had to say. Instead, he's like, no, no, no. But then he openly admits like we're selling weapons to the Saudis. I love it. I love it. I, I, I really mean that. I really love it. I, I, I think like of all the things Trump has to lie about, he's going to be honest and be like, the U.S. is selling weapons of, <laughs> of war to a foreign country who is bombing children in Yemen. And I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's, he, and he's like, uh, what, what, what did the administration say? It, they pay well. I got, I got, I, hey man, I appreciate the honesty. But then when it comes to some stupid gaffe, Trump's like, no, 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 I didn't gaffe. So, so listen, I'll tell you this. When Trump said Colorado instead of Arizona, I don't care. I've also slipped up and said stupid things in the past. But when Joe Biden, every single time, like six or seven times in the past several months, doesn't know where he is and says, oh, the thing about Iowa, I mean, I, well, well, Iowa too, but I mean, we're, we're New Hampshire, it's like, he keeps doing it. Like Trump saying something one time is like, yeah, everybody does that. Everybody does do it. You know, even, even when it comes to Biden, he gaffes. Yeah, people sometimes forget which state they're in. They're traveling around. But Biden does it too much. Not a healthy guy. I think this is an important distinction between the health of Trump and Biden. While Trump is overweight and probably has health issues, you got you to like, admit it, man. Come on, dude. He's in his 70s and he's overweight. He takes some heart medication. He's taking like cholesterol medication, I think. There's a clear difference between Trump and Biden. I also want to make one thing clear, too. Y'all know me. Tulsi Gabbard is leaps and bounds above Trump in terms of mental fitness. And I'm going to throw it to actually someone I, I normally wouldn't, Trevor Noah. When he was talking about the debate, and this is a really funny segment, he said... They, he, he feels like because all the Democrats are so old, they had to just ask a question to a young person about, about the opposite. So they're like, Tulsi, you know, many people are concerned about how old these people are, but maybe you're too young. And Trevor Noah says, hmm, Tulsi, do you think you're too youthful and vibrant to be president? I thought it was funny. Something like that. You should, you should check it out. But I'll tell you this. Look, you guys know I like Tulsi. Um, she's not perfect. She's far from perfect. But I, but I look at what she did with that vote, you know, voting present, bucking both, both sides, 
but trying to be there for both sides, trying to tell people like, listen, come on, man. That's res- I respect that. And you got to admit, she's a major in the National Guard and she's fit. She is, if you want to talk about someone being fit to be president, but I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, it's the economy, stupid. Trump's won on the economy. End of story. Trump is not sunsetting like Biden. He's not having his teeth fall out. He may be overweight. He may eat too, too much McDonald's, but he doesn't seem to me outside of his character defects to be unfit. Right? When I say unfit, a lot of people refer to like his ideas. No, 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 man. I don't care if Trump has the stupidest ideas in the world. He got elected. He's allowed to run those stupid ideas. That's what happens when you vote. I don't think Trump's crazy, though. I don't think his brain isn't working. I just think he has ideas that I think are, you know, whatever. But I'm not going to rag on too much. I'm going to leave it there. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all. I will see you all. Democrats seem to be their own worst enemies. Well, it's not so much the Democrats, the fact that Nancy Pelosi has lost control of the party. You may have seen it. I commented on this in my main segment video, but now we're going to explore Democrat Rashida Tlaib posting a video smiling and celebrating impeachment. You see, there's a reason why Nancy Pelosi wanted them not to cheer for this. It looks really, really bad. The economy is doing really, really well. Trump is trying to frame this as Democrats just hating him and having no real grounds for impeachment. And they're supposed to be very serious and solemn, like, I'm, I'm sad that I had to do this today. This country does not deserve this, and it is my duty to uphold the Constitution. It breaks my heart to have to impeach this president. That's what they needed. Instead, what did they get? People celebrating, buying drinks, posting videos, laughing, and Nancy Pelosi trying to be like, stop, stop doing this. They've lost control. They're falling apart. So here's what we're going to do as the finale for today. We're going to take a look at this story for the Daily Wire, and I want to show you, you know, Trump's response and just talk about the general idea of what they're doing in terms of celebrating is sending the wrong message to Americans. They're saying, we are happy we're being disruptive. We're happy we're getting nothing done. Now, I'll tell you something. Oh, before we get into this, I want to make one thing clear. I, have, I, I talked about the Democrat strategy for impeachment, make Trump look bad, and then not actually pass the articles to the Senate, which Nancy Pelosi is talking about doing, or the kamikaze. I realized something today. I learned something today when I went on Twitter and saw a bunch of videos from people like Tlaib and people, you know, like this, there's like some woman who's like shuffling and dancing. And there are people posting on Facebook that Trump is finally removed from the White House. I think the reality is the Democrats know their constituents, these, these resistance types are not very smart or are lacking information. They're ignorant. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's true. When you dance around saying Trump has finally been removed and you don't realize that impeachment doesn't actually remove the president, you think I start to realize, like, wait a minute, maybe that's what the Democrats were hoping for. They know they're not going to win impeachment. They, They know that Trump will not be removed, but they're going to win because Democrats don't know the difference. So I'll put it this way. Those of us in the political world, we know Donald Trump will not be removed. We know he's still the president and we know he'll likely be reelected in 2020. To quote um, the, the dude from Saturday Night Live, I forget his name. He said, he was asked in the skit, do you want to talk about politics? And he goes, what, you mean that Trump is definitely going to be impeached and then definitely going to be reelected? No, thank you. Yet we know. We know they're going to fail. Here's the thing. These Democrats, they don't realize they've lost. So they're cheering and that rallies their base. That's why Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to send the articles to the Senate because they don't care. They already won in their minds, in their uninformed, ignorant world. 
a lot of these people think Trump has been removed from office. Like, dude, I don't understand though. Do they think Mike Pence is president? Or do they just not really care? I think for the most part, they're pretending to care. It's a virtue signal. <laughs> Trump has been impeached. He's out. And they go about their business. And in a month, they're going to be like, wait, Trump's still president? I thought he got impeached. Because they don't know what the word means. Seriously, go on Twitter and look at this. And there's like people dancing and they're shuffling like Trump is out. <laughs> Impeachment didn't do anything. <laughs> Impeachment helped Trump so much. Look at the smile on her face. She's so happy. And, and there's some other things to this too. She was planning this, right? Check this out. Let's go back in time. We got to hear from John, John Levine. Is it John Levin? I don't know how to pronounce your name, John. I don't know how to pronounce anyone's name if you've noticed, okay? I'm terrible. I can pronounce Tlaib, apparently. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib tells cheering crowd that Trump impeachment coming. We're going to go in and impeach the mother effort. She said that, Jan- this is a video from January 3rd, 2019. You see, they've been trying to impeach Trump before he literally ever did anything. Before he was even elected, they were talking about impeaching him. And then when he got elected, like a, literally a day later, they were going to impeach him. And then we see Rashida Tlaib then cheers that she is going to finally impeach him. We get it. We've got nothing to impeach him on. Are they going to, you know what they're going to do? Actually, I'll, I'll tell you this. Babylon B is a really funny satiric article. It says, Democrats are working on their next impeachment of Trump. Let's, uh, let's read the story from the Daily Wire. They say, on her way to vote yes on two articles of impeachment against President Trump, Far-left rep Rashida Tlaib posted a video of herself on social media celebrating her affirmative vote and the impending impeachment. Hi, everyone. I'm on my way to the United States House floor to impeach President Trump. Tlaib says in the video, smiling ear to ear. On behalf of my incredible, incredible district. You know what the most annoying thing to me about this is? This video where she's smiling. Let me, let me, let me, I'm not going to play the audio, but you can see how happy and excited they are. It's like, yes, we're impeaching the president. <laughs> you know what? You ever play chess? I used to play chess all the time. I actually used to play uh, Magic the Gathering a lot more. So when I was younger, and trust me, this, this, this is relevant. I was playing chess since I was a wee child. And in chess, okay, you understand that even if you take someone's piece, you've, you've, you've slain their piece and taken their knight, it could be bad if you haven't thought ahead. You may have walked into a trap. Or better yet, oftentimes in chess, you're thinking, hey, I'll put my piece here and I'm threatening his knight. And then you failed to realize that on the other side, here comes the queen to take your bishop. Okay, the point is, when you play chess, and then eventually I moved on to playing magic, the strategy games, you learn to think ahead. If I do X, what are the variables that come next? One, two, three, four, and five. What are the likelihood of each of those variables? What is my risk? Is my risk high? And if it is, maybe we shouldn't take this action and, and go in a different direction. But they don't know how to do that. So what happens is you get a smiling, you know, cheek to cheek smile as they burn everything to the ground, smiling all happy, like we're doing it. We're impeaching Trump, which will do nothing. We'll literally do nothing. Like, seriously, she's happy. She's impeaching him. Why? Symbolic victory, emotional victory. Does she think impeachment is going to get rid of him? Does she think they're going to win in the Senate? Or is she just lying to her constituents to make them believe they did something? Let me tell you something. Impeachment is serious, but this isn't, there's nothing here. Because we know the Republicans are not going to push it through. We know that there's no actual evidence of a crime against Trump, just conjecture and opinion. And I'll tell you this, Democrats can say it all day and night. There is no evidence in a court of law that, would convic- that we have to convict Trump of this charge. Now, you can come up with other issues. You know, there's financial issues in the Southern District of New York and things like that. Sure, fine, whatever. But this ain't it. Sorry. You couldn't get him on, emol- on emoluments and you can't get him here. So why are you smiling? This is what frustrates me, okay? The sheer arrogance and ignorance. 
where it's like they think they're winning and Trump keeps winning and then Trump will win again. And Trump has, you know, I had another article. I'm not going to pull it up because I've done it so much. Trump record fundraising. Yeah, we get it. Okay. Trump record fundraising again. Ah, Here we are. They're celebrating their own defeat. And it's frustrating to me because they're supposed to be the people representing me. I've always been on the Democrat side. And that's what's frustrating about this. Listen, let me put it, let me put it this way. People ask me about my politics. I've never cared about Republicans. I've never been a Republican. I've never like campaigned and celebrated and cheered and, and crossed my fingers for a Republican. I've never been like, ooh, that John McCain. No, it was Obama. And admittedly, I've, there's very few people I voted for in the first place because I've always been rather, you know, I don't know. I was always very anti-establishment, so it didn't matter to me. But when I got involved, I got involved. And I was very much in favor of Bernie Sanders in 2016. But now, what we're, you know, what we're seeing is, or something, let me wrap that, wrap that point up. So I don't, I don't, I don't, look, I get it. Republicans have never been the people for me, and so I don't care. But then I look at the room I'm in, the Democrats around me, jumping up and laughing, and I'm like, you know, it reminds me of this. I'll put it this way. Do you know the story of, uh, uh, who, who, who did this? Um, it's not Nietzsche. Um, it's the story of the clown. The clown comes out on stage and yells, there's a fire backstage, and they all start laughing and clapping, and the clown says, no, no, I'm being, it's not an act. Okay, there's a fire, we're all in danger, and they laugh and clap even louder. That's what it feels like for me. That's what it feels like, that I keep saying, there's a fire here, Democrats. And look at that big old grin. She's laughing and smiling. Yes. And I'm like, but Trump just raised $40 million. <laughs> but Trump is swinging the polls in his favor and they're laughing. And I'm like, what, what am I supposed to do here? Okay. Let me ask, what am I supposed to do here? All right. I'm not going to vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Trump. I laughed when he won because it felt like I kept screaming, screaming fire and they laughed. And I said, you're going to, you, you, what are you doing? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to warn you of the fire surrounding you. It's like that, that, that dog comic where the dog's sitting there with flames all around him. This is fine, but it's worse. You know that meme comic that the dog in the room sitting at a table, everything's on fire and he says, this is fine. Let me, let me, let me one up that for you. And maybe one of you meme smiths can make it. Change it to him smiling cheek to cheek saying, this is amazing. I'm so happy. And that's what they're doing. They're not just sitting back saying this is fine as everything falls, falls down around them. They're actually smiling and celebrating this. Well, Donald Trump uh, commented on this saying, this is what the Dems are dealing with. Does anyone think this is good for the USA? No. And that's why Nancy Pelosi said, do not cheer for this because she gets it. She, 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 she resisted impeachment and she got roped into it. Yeah, it's too bad. You reap what you sow. The Democrats are burning to the ground. They're spinning, spiraling out of control, and they're laughing all the way down. It's like the Joker in that final scene of The Dark Knight, laughing, saying, so what? Ha 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 ha. You'll never stop me. Smiling and laughing as he's defeated. Because it's fun. It's a game. You know, I'll tell you what, man. I know some far leftists that I've known them for a while who do just want to watch the world burn. And maybe that's what that face represents. That smiling laughter. She's, she knows she's destroying the Democrats' chance of re-election in 2020, and she doesn't care. Now, I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't explain what, she's, what, she's thinking she's, what she thinks she's going to accomplish. I really can't. Should I believe that she thinks she's actually doing something here? Because we all know Trump isn't going to be removed from office. So why laugh and smile as you go to impeach him? Because it feels good? Or is it because you want to watch the world burn? And because this contributes to the destabilization of the country. And when Nancy Pelosi tries to stop you from making things worse, you buck her and do it again. And they laugh and clap. And she goes, well, for those that are listening, I'm making the shush, shush with the hand sign. 
That's what she did. It's remarkable. She knows it's all bad for her, and there's nothing she can do to stop it. So Rashida Tlaib laughs the whole way down. And I'm sitting here as somebody who actively wants to support the Democrats. And I see a Tulsi Gabbard saying to both sides, y'all need to calm down. Y'all need to listen. And I say, good, good. I don't think Trump's guilty of anything, to be honest. I think that the Democrats are digging. Tulsi said she thinks Trump's guilty. I disagree. But I still respect her for doing it. I still respect her for saying, no, I do think so. But this is partisan and it's got to stop. You know what? You're right. Tell both sides to chill out and let's come together. I'll tell you this, man. Trump needs to clean up his act. I get it. He won't. He's Trump. And some people like that. But I've maintained, and I do maintain, if the Democrats avoided this cackling nonsense, laughing about the destabilization of the country, and presented somebody who was a moderate Democrat, who wasn't screeching orange man bad, and said simply this, let me tell you what I would say. Trump voters, I know many of you. I've known many Trump, Trump supporters over these past few years, gotten to know you. And you know what? I think while I don't understand you perfectly, I've heard what you had to say, and I can respect you and understand why you voted for Donald Trump. The economy is great. I can't argue with that. I think I can do better. And I think I can lower drug prices. I think I can continue this, this, this path towards improving the economy. I think I can bring back more jobs. And I think I can carry on where Trump has fallen short in foreign policy and on the economy and the trade war. And I can do a little bit better. I'm not going to tell you to take a risk and risk the economy, but I am going to tell you that I will be someone who's calm, pragmatic. I won't swear. I won't insult. And I know some of you might like Trump being, you know, brash and standing up for people, but I'll tell you this. I will be strong. I will assert my backbone. I won't back down, but I'll try to make sure things are, are kept charismatic, clean, and amicable. And I will not disrupt what Trump has set in motion, but I will do better. If they said that, I'd be willing to bet they'd win. I would be willing to bet they would win because every time... I meet a wild Trump supporter out in, the, out in the fields grazing about their business. I'm joking, but you know, like at the bar, walking on the street, they all tell me the same thing. They wish Trump didn't have a bad attitude, but he's doing better by them, by the economy. And so that's what the Democrats need. Now, I, I think it's fair to point out, even if the Democrats came out and said exactly what I said, a lot of people are going to say, look, man, I, I appreciate it. I'm not going to rock the boat. But I think, I think it's fair to say, the way I just framed it, I respect you for your vote, those who decided to vote for him, those who defected from Bernie, those on the left who are angry, I understand. I want to do a better job. But I recognize that many people, they're not going to want to rock the boat. Why risk it? But here's the point, here's the point. At least they would have, they would have something to stand on. They would have principle integrity behind them and say, I, I take no pleasure in anything happening right now on the Democrat side. And you know what? If I was actually running, I'd say this. I think Donald Trump, to be fair to, you know, to a moderate district, I think there's a lot of reasons you need to recognize why people don't like this man. And I can recognize a good economy. And I condemn Democrats' behavior cheering for the destabilization of this country. But you know what? Don't listen to me. I'm just someone who tries to be kind of like what Tulsi was doing, saying I will be in the center and I will not support a partisan impeachment. And I think that's one of the boldest things one of the Democrats could have said. The Democrats have their worldview. And Tulsi said, even though she thinks Trump is wrong, she refuses to play this game. That says a lot. That's too bad. It's too bad that they're, gonna, they're not going to give her a chance. But uh, I think Trump's guaranteed to win, even with a calm, reasonable person, even with someone like Tulsi, who's got the service, behind, the service record. And it is what it is. You know, Trump's going to win. That's my, that's my final thought for the day. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10, 10 a.m. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, 
I am not somewhere with good internet, so I'm trying to do a, a new recording thing where I record it all straight, so it, it reduces, it, it compresses better. So just so you know, that's what's been happening. So uh, thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m.